I sat down and had a heart to heart with my mum and I said, look, what, what do I do? Do I accept that this is my lot, that maybe I'm just not going to be really competitive? Or do we try and find a way, a way through this? Welcome to the Charles Owen podcast. Charles Owen has been manufacturing high-performance, stylish riding helmets since 1911. And to celebrate its 110th birthday, we are interviewing a range of riders, from the biggest names in equestrian sport to up-and-coming superstars. In these exclusive interviews, they reveal their highs and lows and share their secret to success in this challenging sport. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Roz, hello. Welcome to the Charles Owen podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. I'm just going to set the, set the scene here. You're sat on the stairs because your daughter is next door having her lunch. So is, is this your quiet place in the house? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, she's in the warm room with her dad and I have come <laughs> on the stairs uh, with three jumpers on trying to keep warm. <laughs> <laughs> Do apologise. This is, this is, I imagine you've been out on the yard all morning, haven't you? And now you, now you come in and you've got to sit on the stairs. Yeah, no, it's absolutely fine. It's warmer than being outside, so it's fine. It's all good. So, well, I just want to start off talking about the fact that, obviously, current world champion, you led Britain to victory in Tryon in 2018. Now, you also helped Britain win gold at the Europeans a year earlier. Now, when you won those medals, I think a lot of people were a bit like, well, who's Ross Cantor? It was quite an impressive feat, not least because you won gold, but because you actually made your five-star debut in Burley just in 2015. And then two years later, you're winning gold. And a year later... You're world champion. Yeah. I mean, did you ever imagine when you entered Burley for your first time back in 2015, it's only five years ago, did you ever imagine what success lay ahead? Uh, not at all, no. Um, when I went to my first Burley, I walked the course and I just could not see myself going around it. I thought it was just huge. It really terrified me, actually. I was like, wow, you know, surely not. Um, and All-Star B actually had a little bit of a sore chin that year. Weirdly, um, he goes in a double bridle for dressage and um, the curb chain had rubbed him a little bit. So he was quite mm. sensitive. So I'd given him a jump at Burley on a Thursday or the Friday. And he normally he's very steady in his head. He's quite a puller. He leans a bit on the bit. And he was mm. really oversensitive, which was so different to what I was used to, that I persuaded myself that because of that, I didn't have to go around across country. So I, I'd, in my head, I'd said to, I'd, I didn't tell anyone. And I thought, well, it's OK, because I'm just going to jump fences one, two and three. And then he's not going to be happy. So I'm going to pull up and then, and then I'll have a reason for pulling up. So I gave myself a get out. I thought he just wouldn't be happy because he jumped not well, you know, a couple of days before. And Caroline, his owner, who's also my trainer, said, don't worry. When once his adrenaline gets up, he won't even notice it. And, you know, he hasn't, you know, he doesn't have a curb chain on the back. And we put a nice gel thing on for him mm. anyway. Um, and he'll be absolutely fine. And I just thought, you know, that's never going to happen. But it's fine. I don't have to jump it because he's a bit sore. And then um, I got over fences one, two and three and he just forgot completely about it. I mean, it was, wasn't even in his radar anymore. And so I kind of found myself coming to fence four and I jumped that OK. And then I jumped the next water OK. And I thought, hang on a minute, I'm going to have to go around this whole thing. So were you, were you still at that point thinking, 
that you you were still kind of giving yourself a get out at that no, point? No, by that point I was going and I was and I was going and I, and suddenly I was at the finish and I was like, wow, that was actually fine. You know, that was, <laughs> all right, my horse is amazing. This was, that was incredible. I want to go around again. Um, and so then, yeah, I mean, that still really wasn't kind of I wouldn't say that was a real starting point of my my journey to the top because I still had a huge amount to learn and and it was really the next Burley the next year that was the real turning point for me because I wanted to be competitive because I'd been around once before and I wanted to go fast and, and going fast cross country had always been my nemesis and I came back with 35 time faults or something ridiculous I was one of the slowest but I'd gone out the start box hoping to be fast and that was really the turning point for me that um, I was I was pretty upset about the fact that I'd been so slow and I didn't feel safe enough to go fast. I came back and I, I just said, God, you know, I, I wanted to go near the time. And that mm. was just so different to what I did. And I asked a few people what I should do. And they just said, oh, it's simple. Well, you just gallop a bit quicker. <laughs> you just gallop fast. You'll get the hang of it. And then I just said to my mum, I said, look, I just don't think I will. Like, I don't think, you know, galloping to a fixed fence on a horse at 17-2 and essentially too big for me. And I feel out of control. Mm. I just don't think my brain would ever let me let go. Just to clarify, Roz, you know, to get to Burley hadn't just come off of a a novice event at your local no. show. You you you'd come up through the levels, so you must have been making the time. You must have been going fast. I yeah, I had up to a point. I probably hadn't been making the time all the time, and I had up to a point, but it never it was never in my comfort zone to do mm. that. You know, it was always something I found quite tricky and yeah that that Burley was particularly bad I mean Albie is well known when he knows a venue for being quite excitable at the start and the more excitable he is the stronger he comes out the start box so second time round was always going to be trickier for me um but I just just really you know I sat down and had a heart to heart with my mum and I said look what what do I do do I accept that you know I'm you know, that this is my lot, that actually I'm really good at producing young horses. If I get a really nice horse that can go around this level, I should enjoy it, but I shouldn't push myself, you know, that maybe I'm just not going to be really competitive. Or do we try and find a way, a way through this? And that's when I spoke to some more people and, and I decided to have a go with Chris Bartle. And I went up to his and over that winter, we we kind of pulled my cross-country riding to pieces and and rebuilt it with a new plan and then that next year I came fifth at badminton gold medal at the Europeans the year after third at badminton and then gold medal at the Worlds quite remarkable so it was this was there something because obviously this is something I'm so so many riders will battle with do you know what there was that something particular you said you pulled a cross-country riding to pieces and started again but is there one particular take-home you've got from well, that from Chris? Well I've developed a system that works for me and I think that's what is the real takeaway um cross-country galloping at a cross-country fence comes very naturally for some people for me it doesn't so in order for me to be successful at it, I actually follow a set of rules and I try and do that every time I come to a jump. Can you tell us what those rules are? Um, what, the closer I get to the fence, the less I'm allowed to look at it, which goes completely against what the human brain tells you to do. But the more I look for my takeoff spot, the more I want to slow down and find this perfect spot. I have to say, this is this is, sounds so familiar because I have exactly the same problem and I... I look beyond yeah. the jump because that's the only way I, and I and I 
almost sometimes almost will grab hold of the breastplate, you know, just to keep yeah. my hand still because the clo- you say the closer you get, the more you want to yeah. interfere, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's the big thing, trying to pick something in the distance to look at or it might be part B of a combination instead of looking at part A and that yeah. also helps you to pick the right canter for the jump you're jumping. Um, and then it's about uh, length of rain cross country. So I now ride with a, a longer rain when I come to a jump. So I might ride in a shorter rain while I'm galloping along. But the mm-hmm. closer I get, the higher my eyes must go and the longer my rain must become. But you still got a contact. I'm still assuming. got contact. It doesn't stop me having control of the horse. Um, but it allows the horse their neck early. And the the more the horse has the neck, the, the more agile they are with their legs. So it it's given me the confidence that I can let a horse go deep into a fence and that they will still pull themselves out very successfully. But I'm not going to go deep in with them because I've got a length of rein, I can keep my body further back. And because, mm. and because I'm short, that's quite important for me because All-Star B is very strong. When I had a short rein at Burley the second year, I was landing, you know, up his neck because he was throwing these huge jumps, which was fantastic. You know, he's careful and he's an amazing jumper. But I just couldn't recover in time for the next part of the combination or something like that. So it's about unfold, you know, staying upright in the air because your length of rain allows a horse to jump anyway. And I mm. land in a position ready to get to the next fence with my eyes already looking at it. So it, it's really my system involves me feeling safe. The safer I feel, yeah. the more confident I am to ride at speed. Um, but I have to say it doesn't come naturally. I don't think it ever will. Um, riding mm. with my eyes up is something I have to practice daily um, mm. because it's so easy. I mean, I went to school in the other day when lockdown first opened and we went and hired a venue and I watched my videos back and I was like, Christ, I wasn't even, I was looking at every single fence, you know, just because you get out the habit of it so quickly. Mm. So mm. go back to Chris regularly, not necessarily because he teaches me anything new because it just... Um, instills everything that I've already done and we just go over the basics time and time again and even to the point where at Poe this year after I'd done my dressage with Zanshira on the Friday I just asked Chris if we could just go and jump a basic spread and him just talk me through where I should be looking where I should when I should be slipping my reins where my body should be in the air not because I don't know it but just the more it is said to me the higher the chance the next day that I will do it on a cross country. I think a lot of people listening to this will will be reassured by that, the fact that the world champion, at, at your five-star event, you still need to go to your trainer and you still need to be reminded of those basics. And one thing I thought was interesting was that I know that 2020 has been a very, it's been the bad season for everyone, obviously with COVID and British eventing had a short season, but I but you have been out quite a bit and you had a win, didn't you, with Albie at, at Bergham? Did you find it hard after having that extra break? Did you find it hard to then get your eye back in for the cross country and to get your head around the speed again? Yeah, I do. I I actually think I found it quite hard all year, to be honest. I mean, um, you know, obviously after WEG I got I was pregnant, so I missed all of the year pretty much after WEG and I came back for the end of the year and I think I'd had I was so worried that having had Ziggy and not being in the best shape because I'd had her, that Mm. I would have lost my touch, Mm. that I was, and I wasn't riding so many horses, that I had time to make sure that I I rode well. Mm. Um, And, you know, I got plenty of help when I first got back on board to make sure that I hadn't lost my touch. And so, 
you know, the few events I did in 2019 went very well. And I think actually I've come out this year and found it harder because physically I'm pretty much back to where I was. Mentally, I ought to be back to where I was because I had her, you know, last year. She's a year and a half years old. And actually, you know, you you throw a child into the mix and suddenly there isn't quite the time anymore Mm. to spend evaluating in your mind and in the evenings. I'm busy doing her dinner, I'm putting her to bed, you know, there's this whole new dimension and, mm. and, it, and it's learning to find time to think, which, which has been more difficult this year. So I actually think I found it more difficult this year. Um, I'm enjoying this winter, trying to kind of create a new plan for next year to allow me time to mm. do, every, to do mm. everything better in a way, because and, it, it, is, it is new having yeah, a baby and, around. Well, yeah, motherhood is always a challenge. Motherhood as a as a five star event, I imagine, is an even bigger challenge. Yeah. So, obviously, in twenty twenty one, hopefully, we've got Tokyo Olympic Games coming up. Is that part of your game plan? Um, absolutely, but um, it that's the dream. Um, the reality is, I have to be selected to get there. Mm. So the spring campaign is is massively important for us British riders, particularly, you know, the the strengthening depths in Britain for event riders at the moment is huge. They probably have 15 combinations that are worthy of a place and they have three slots. So um, the spring campaign with All Star B will be a really important one for me. Um, The likelihood is that we'll aim for badminton. we both like it there you know he's ready for a big run he hasn't run in a big way you know to challenge him really since Wegg so I think he needs it Mm. um and I think I need it and you know the the best man comes out on top on the day and they've got their chance at going to Tokyo so it's certainly not a given at all I've just got to try and you know stick like we were talking about before, stick to my plan, not let my yes. my dream get in the way of of actually um, creating a, a solid plan and riding well, and and that's what's going to get me there. So, so it's definitely Albi, not not Zenshira wouldn't be an option. Zenshira won't be an option for the Olympics. No, he well very unlikely to be. He's just, um, I mean, everybody knows he's my pride and joy, and I absolutely adore the horse, but he. Hmm just um just like to go by braille and the show jumping and unfortunately we do tend to have the odd pole down so <laughs> um as wonderful as he is he he's just not quite as consistent results wise as all star b has the potential to be so lincolnshire obviously born and bred your yep. business is on, business on the family farm yeah what were what was your childhood like I'm very lucky with our childhood. I have two older sisters who, but we're all within kind of three years of each other age-wise. We all had great fun riding our ponies around the farm. We did pony club, we did gymnastics, we did dancing, we played a musical instrument. Um, we certainly didn't obsess over ponies from the word go. It it wasn't kind of what we, the intention in life wasn't for me to go and be an event rider. But I did always love it more than the other two did, I think. And I was always more competitive mm. about it. Um, so we had a lovely time. We used to go out cross-country schooling and take a picnic. And Dad would do the filming and Mum would get the ponies ready. We did a bit of hunting. You know, we did a bit of everything. But what was really great is that we were encouraged to do everything else as well. 
you know, I did cross, I did quite a lot of cross country running. I'm a reasonably good hockey player. Sport is in my blood, really, and and sport is what I enjoy doing. So I'm lucky that horses kind of combine the two, really, the love of animals and the love of sport. And eventing wasn't, as you say, it wasn't a guaranteed choice for you, was it? It was something that even after you finished uni, you still weren't hundred percent sure. No, no, I I don't think it was ever really something that. I vocally talked about or thought I would ever do it wasn't something that my my mum's really horsey and she loves the horses and we run the livery yard and things like that but um, it would never have been in her radar as a young person to be able to make a career out of sport you know like Mm. that Mm. so I don't think that was ever something that was ever really discussed and it wasn't until um, kind of after uni that I needed a bit of a summer job to earn a bit of money to go off traveling and things like that that I I kind of bumped into Judy Bradwell and that's when I started working for her a bit that really that that side of things came a reality. On the other hand, as you know, from the age of 10, I never my my kind of job after school was never in a bar. It was always taking on anybody's naughty pony and I would ride it for a month. So so I did always do that kind of thing. And I taught all the local kids to ride and that's how I earned my money. It was never it was never waitressing. So I suppose it was always in me. That is incredible. So you were you were producing ponies when you were age ten. We produced ponies. Yeah, that was my first paying guest was when I was when I was ten. Yeah. So that was along with my sisters. We you know we had actually we had a pony come down from Scotland that was through a friend of a friend that was naughty and it did drop us regularly. But we are still extremely good family friends now with with those people so it's great but um but yeah they you know we did it that and mum that was mum for us and mum's tiny so mum quite liked riding little ponies so I suppose we kind of did it all together really tell me about one of your earliest successes what is there a particular win when you were younger that sort of sticks out in your mind I don't I think well when I was really young we did the Lincoln show working hunter once which was our local county show and obviously all my school friends were there watching and we weren't really into that kind of scene, particularly, and the jumps always looked huge. But I said to mum, I'd really like to have a go at that. And she said, OK, we'll we'll enter you. We'll we'll pay to be a member of the society and you can go and have a go. And um, I came second because there were only two clear rounds. And um, that that was a great achievement at, at that moment in time. And then equally, I think probably the year before, at the Lincolnshire show, they used to have a kind of interpony club relay. Mm-hmm. So it'd be three in a team, pass the bat and gallop round the jumps kind of thing. And it, and it's still to this, this day, mum says it's one of her proudest moments because um, me and my two sisters were, were in the team together. So it was us three against everybody else. And I think we came sec- I think we came second that day. Um, but we, you know, that she said that was one of her proudest moments when we were young. That... I love that, that, that her daughter's the world champion. One of her proudest moments is still you winning the relay. And <laughs> yeah, show. yeah I think that we were all in it together was one of her, one of her standout moments. We talked about your mum quite a lot. Obviously, she's a big, big influence on you. Who would you say that growing up were your biggest equestrian influences? I think um, uh, Pippa Funnel, Mary King. I had an autobiography book when I was little and we used to go to Belton. And um, I remember being desperate to get Pippa's signature. And I remember going to Mary King's lorry and she let me have a look inside her lorry and I just thought she was wonderful. So and I would say Pippa remains to be somebody that I completely admire because I think in a lot of ways we the, there's an aspect of the nerves and 
I think is a little bit similar to to my struggles sometimes and I think mm, mm. um I think she's incredible to still be going despite the fact that Isn't she's she? had to overcome quite a lot of challenges and I think you know to to still be at it at that age when actually it's not something that necessarily comes that natural to you is shows shows a lot of drive it does and amazing for you now to be competing alongside her and on the same team yeah it is yeah and she's she's lovely and um it is I mean at the end of the day you know when you're little people like Pippa and Mary King are you're their idols aren't they and and they're famous to you and you can't imagine ever being Mm. like them the reality Mm. is they're all just completely normal people hopefully like I am and um we're just trying to do the best in the job we've picked to do and Mm. And and everybody's just so nice. Sure, and I'm curious. You said about your mum and the conversation you had with your mum when it went a bit wrong after your second Burley. Was your mum with you at, at Tran at World World Equestrian yeah. Games? Yeah, she was. And can you remember her reaction to her daughter being made world champion? I think she said, "Well done, darling." My mum is very understated. <laughs> I love that. She's very understated. She doesn't get excited by by many things. I mean, of course, she was extremely proud, and so was my dad. My dad doesn't come and watch very often, but he did go there with mum. Um, but she, yeah, I mean, she's she's always extremely proud. But my mum doesn't get excited by many things. So, uh, like, a well done was was good enough from her you knew you knew you'd done good yeah so well i've got some questions here from charles owen fans have sent in some questions via instagram for you and so imi underscore riding underscore 234 would like to know what is your proudest achievement uh i think it has to be the world equestrian games um Definitely, you know, it's certainly my biggest achievement and I am, you know, very proud of it. And I think um, as much as like my badminton performances as well have have been a massive thing, I think the thing I'm really proud of about WEG is is the impact it had on the local community too. Um, You know, badminton is obviously the biggest, you know, eventing competition, the scariest thing to go to go and do. But my neighbours who aren't horse who don't necessarily know what badminton is but mm. they all knew about WEG and my dad sings in a choir and dad is very sporty but not horsey my dad sings in a quiet <laughs> choir every Tuesday night and he came back from his choir and said everybody's heard about it everybody knows oh, so that I think is is my greatest achievement because it just went a little bit wider than the horsey community fantastic lovely and underscore Juliet underscore Lamb would like to know what is your favourite cross country course. I I certainly have events that I enjoy being at more than others. I think um, I, and Burley as an event has got to be one of my favourites purely because it, it's it's in our county. It's I go I've been every year you know not riding so to ride there was a a huge achievement. But the two rides around badminton have been fantastic for me. You know I'm l- lucky for me they've been on All Star B and he is. Mm. he is amazing and one one day events where do i love one day i mean places like summerford park are always lovely and 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 the smaller events places like skipton in yorkshire you know a, a lovely small events where you can go and have a gallop around a really nice area lovely hills and and things like that are just as nice as well for the young horses i'm curious to know when you're at those kind of events i know that as a very amateur rider if 
if I see where well, I'm from Sussex, so it might be occasionally that Pippa Funnel's name might turn up or Tina Cook. And when their name appears in your class, it definitely makes me feel, oh, if there's a, you know, like you think, oh my God, I'm competing against Pippa Funnel. Yeah. Even though, you know, she's on some complete baby novice and this is like as good as it's ever going to get for me. Um, I wonder, on the flip side, do you ever feel people are aware that world champion is competing? Does that give you an extra pressure at the lower levels to, to produce a certain performance? I think so. And I, I think there is all, always a pressure to produce a performance because quite often I'm riding for an owner who is putting a, a lot of time into and a lot of money into yeah. into giving me a, a horse to ride. Um, so yeah. every event I go to, I feel pressure. I want to do the right thing by the horse and by the owner and, you know, try and get a good of a result as possible. Gravs underscore PB would like to know, what's your biggest dream? Um... I think I think the Olympics are my dream, really. You know, I uh, think to be competing alongside all those other sports as well would be a massive achievement and um, something that would stay with me forever. Um, equally, um, I mean, this is a little bit more soppy. Life changes a bit when you have a child and things like that. And if I can fulfil my dreams at the same time as feeling like I'm doing good by her then at the moment that seems to be my current challenge you were back riding after a month weren't you after a month of having her i evented a month after she was born yeah wow which is pretty impressive yeah i'm not altogether comfortable yeah (laughs) (laughs) so what what you know why a month what was it that made you that's that's a that's a tough you know that was pretty hard on yourself i didn't it wasn't because it was a month that's what i wanted to do it's because i rode I tried riding a week after having her and it wasn't great, so I didn't ride for another week or 10 days. And then I got on and it started to feel vaguely doable. I knew I wanted to go to Dennis to try and get my Olympic qualification. And um, that event fitted in to be my first run back to gauge how I was getting on, really. So wow. that that's how it was. But I took All-Star Beans and Shear around an intermediate, so it was something that they could you know, help me out if necessary. It was fairly low-key. Um, and I survived it, but it wasn't a pleasant experience. And what about, have you got any particular uh, sort of up-and-coming horses you're excited about? I've got some lovely ones. I've got a few horses that are now kind of sitting just below All-Star Beans and Shearer, um, Pencos, Crown Jewel, Lordships, Graffalo and Rahe Royal Diamond, who have all stepped up successfully to four-star recently. So hopefully they will progress. Um, you know, it remains to be seen whether they become five-star superstars or not, but... They are relatively competitive at the level they're at at the moment. And then um, I've got a super young horse called Isalot DHI, who I've spoken about quite a lot, who is the most talented horse I've ever sat on for for the job I want to do. Um, He is also the sharpest and the naughtiest. So um, (laughs) that is no doubt in his ability that he could be an absolute world beater. But there are challenges ahead, I think. So um, he's won a lot already. Um, but there are times when he was good today. Actually, I've ridden him this morning. But the day before, I rode him and um, he was off the ground more than he was on the ground. So there are challenges, but he is super athletic and a really good competition brain. Just um, quite a naughty boy at times. What is it normally you look for on a competition horse? I mean, obviously, All-Star B, he's he can be quite tricky. You said that when you were young, you were producing... Naughty ponies when you're just age 10. Do you think you're drawn to a certain type? Um, I like Bay Geldings. 
I tend to get drawn <laughs> to bay geldings if I'm buying them myself. Um, no, I mean, they don't have to be the biggest movers in the world. A nice movement, correct, um, an ability to lengthen in their trot and things like that is a must, but they don't have to be, you know, totalesses of this world at all. Um, I just, something that I want to come to a jump on, something that is consistent in, it, in its shape it makes over a jump, mm. makes life so much easier you know, that naturally thinks forward, that isn't always wondering where the others have gone or what's what's next to them. Um, it's easier. It's not a necessity, but it's an easier trait to have. So, yeah, just a bit of genuineness and a, and a love for the job, really. And and mm. a desire to do, to do right by me is is an important trait. I mean, All-Star B and Zen Shearer are very much not not the most talented physically or find it easy physically, but their desire to work with me is exceptional. They don't have that, you know, that desire really to fight or, or do the wrong thing. And that has made my life a lot easier. Sophia Davies underscore wants to know, what is a good bond between horse and rider? Which follows on really nicely from you saying about the about the bond you have with your two top horses. Yeah, I think, um, I think, uh, uh, yeah, a horse that naturally doesn't think outside the box is an easier horse to ride. Um, basically... Um, the word slave is the wrong word, but they've got to want to work for you. And, and that's the big thing. So I think trying to create a relationship with a horse where there is mutual respect is important. Um, at the end of the day, horses are herd animals, so they like to be controlled. Um, and that's an important thing. So they must be, it must be black and white. They must understand what's right and what's wrong and where their boundaries are and then establish good practice in between. So, um, you know, the basics are always there. I mean, every time I get off a horse when I've finished, I try and walk them into a square as halt as they're capable of, and that's the last thing I do before I get off. Um, so good habits are, are, are the big thing. I think all those things create the bond with the horse. Sure. Rachel Andrews underscore question wants to know, now we have discussed this, she wants to know, do you get nervous in the lead up to cross country? Now, we, now we know we've spoken about the fact that you don't, naturally like to go fast on the cross country but aside from that do you do you get nervous before you go in cross country and she wants to know what are your tips for staying calm and focused if you do i i do get nervous i get less nervous now i think than i used to um but it's just very important for me to stick to my system and not to let myself you know at these big events you have quite a lot of time often to watch other people go around the course and they have they have like yeah. a computer screen at the stables and things like that. And and I find it very easy to for my mind to wander and think, well, did I walk that right? Because they've ridden it in a different way to me and things like that. And Chris Bartle will always say to me just before I get on or at the start box, stick to the system, nothing changes. Whether the course is causing carnage or not, stick to the system, nothing changes. Because I know my horse and you guys know your mm. horse's and if you've walked it in a way you think is right for your horse if you the horse doesn't know if it's the wrong way you've got to make them believe that it's right and i imagine a lot big big part of that's having a good trainer isn't it yeah absolutely a good and, and a good bunch of people around you i mean i i walk you know i do group course walks and things at events when that's all there is time to do and stuff like that but i will do my best not to walk a course with someone that's going to walk around the corner to the lake at badminton and go jesus christ that's huge you know, because of course it's huge. It's the lake at Badminton. We don't need that shouting out. Absolutely, it, it's about walking the course. Totally, with... I completely, 
you know, of course, we're not going to walk around the lake at Babington and go, wow, that's really small this year, because it's not going to be. It's going to be massive. Yeah, but that's that's not the it's point. Badminton. That's not the point. The point is trying to work out the mm. question the course builder has set and creating a plan in how to ride it. Mm. And, and that's very important mm. to me that I walk the course with with the right people. I, yeah, I completely agree. I must hardly agree. Eva underscore O'Neill wants to know, how do you keep calm when things don't go to plan? Which with horses, invariably, you can have whatever plan you've got doesn't mean it's going to happen. So how do you cope and stay calm when things haven't gone to plan? Well, it's a split second thing, isn't it? And and in my job, you get used to things going a bit wrong because you ride so many horses, inevitably they do. It's about keeping a level head and making a decision about the the next best thing. If you have a run out, do you go back to that fence again because you felt it was the wrong line it wasn't the horse losing confidence or actually do you need to go and find a long route or equally do you jump another fence and go home and and practice at home it's trying to read the situation you're in and um Mm. every there is another day there is always another day and weg was my day and and it worked for me that day yeah but if it hadn't have been i still would have been doing my thing so i think you've got to recognize that there will be disappointing days and and the big, the, the greatest achievement is is finding a way to go on from there. Mm, yes. Whilst we're coming to the end of the interview now, the end of the podcast, and we've got the three usual questions that we ask all our riders. The first of which is, if I hadn't been an event rider, I would have been... Well, I did one modern pentathlon competition when I was at university. I decided to go off and and do the national championships at Oxford for a bit of fun. I learned how to fence and shoot and things like that. I quite enjoyed that. So maybe something along those lines. I mean, I I can run reasonably well and stuff. So something, (laughs) I think sport would have remained in my life, whether I'd have been good enough to do it competitively, if not sports management, something like that. I think, I think along those lines. And Roz, I'm happiest when? I just had a, a bit of a conversation with my partner about this. And I think, um, we decided I'm happiest when I found balance between and I feel that I'm doing a good job by my horses and my owners and and my training's going well and I have a, also have good balance with my daughter. I think if I can find balance, then that makes me happy. Yeah, if you've got the secret to that, then let me know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't. My kids, are, <laughs> my kids are 9 and 13 and I'm still trying to find yeah. that balance. It's tough, it's tough. What I wish I'd known 10 years ago even though it's one of our, our regular questions, but it's also asked, I just want to give these a name check, Pixie Rosette asked this question, and Charlotte underscore L underscore XO also wanted to know, what would you tell your younger self? Um, so everything we've just spoken about with my rules that I follow cross-country, I've probably been doing that for five years now, so if I'd been doing it for ten years, I might have had some better results sooner. You know, that is not the be-all and end-all, but it would have been useful to have learned it a bit earlier. So, Roz, thank you so much chatting to us that's okay taking time your busy schedule for sitting on the stairs in the cold <laughs> it's all right no problem i will now let you get back to your daughter and get back to the yard but thank you so much for your time thank you no problem